Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelensky Show for this February 5th, 2020 edition. I've got a great guest. Hey, before I jump into the program, please do make sure that you are following me on social media. All the information is up there on your screen. Sheila Zelensky on Instagram, Twitter at Real Sheila Z and Real Sheila Z on Facebook. And make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. And for those of you that wish to support this ministry, please do become one of my patrons today. Well, I want to jump into this show. I have a fantastic guest. I've had a lot of requests to have him back on the program. When he was on the program the last time, we had a lot of feedback on the show. So without further ado, I would like to welcome back to the program. I'm calling today's program Q-Drop Decode, the State of the Union Address, and the calm before the storm, because there's some big things on the horizon. And here to unpack all this, and especially the latest Q-drops, the impeachment acquittal, and so much more, and all the insanity going on, and everything else brewing. While you know him on Twitter as Praying Medic, it is Dave Hayes back on the program. Dave, welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to have you on, sir. Hey, Sheila. Thanks for having me back on the show. It is a pleasure to join you. Well, it's fantastic to have you on your show. Well, of course, last night, just an incredible State of the Union address. President Trump did such an amazing job. I think I teared up multiple times. I was just so proud of him. And then, of course, we saw this coffin dodging crypt keeper, as I call her, Pelosi, tearing up the State of the Union address. Pelosi completely disgraces herself. I mean, really, that's a violation of 18 U.S.C. 2071. That violation's punishable by up to three years in prison. It's just absolutely vile. But on every level, Trump is just outclassed, outquaffed, outfinessed. All these lefties so let's start with this, Dave. What were your thoughts on the State of the Union address? I, I love the State of the Union address. I thought it was great. Denise and I were talking about the State of the Union in the afternoon, making plans. We knew that the it was going to be broadcast at seven o'clock our time, and we're just kind of talking about what things, what kind of things Trump might talk about. And I said, you know what? I think he's going to make the phrase "the best is yet to come." I think is going to be a key part of the speech. Because Q had been posting this that message, the best is yet to come, over the last several weeks. And Trump tweeted it out. He tweeted out a video with, I can't remember if it was Lindsey Graham or somebody, but his, his remark with the video was, the best is yet to come. And I was like, I, I just know he's going to make that a part of the speech. And sure enough, at the very end, he's like, you know, the sun is still shining, the grace of God is still on us, and the best is yet to come. I just, I just was like, I can't believe he did that. But uh, yeah, it was emotional for me. Denise and I were both crying at certain points. It was just very moving, very encouraging. You know, he's done so much. And, you know, there's this tension between all his supporters, mostly Republicans, who would stand and applaud all the accomplishments. And you're looking at the um, the Democrat haters in white sitting over there on the other side of the aisle, sitting on their hands, refusing to stand, refusing to applaud, looking at their phones, you know, plucking their eyebrows, whatever the heck they were doing, totally disrespectful. And it, it really made a sharp contrast it, and let people know the difference between what a patriot is and what what the opposite of that is, whatever you want to call that. And then, of course, Nancy and her antics at the end of the uh, of the speech, N not surprising. She just, she hates Trump. She's, look, Nancy is a puppet. She may have her own issues, but Nancy and most of the people in the Democrat Party and Mitt Romney, they're all puppets. My view is they're puppets of George Soros. They do what they're told. And they were told that they had to impeach Trump. And that was the game plan. That the Mueller hoax was nothing but a plan by the deep state to get Trump out of office. They had been planning this ever since he came down the escalator. And they've been trying through the Mueller investigation, through the impeachment hoax, through it. And, and this is not going to stop. Uh, they're not going to get, remove him from office. So Adam Schiff next week will come up with a new hoax to put over on Trump. And they're going to keep doing this until they end up in jail. At some point, Barr is going to start unsealing indictments. And a lot of these people are going to get arrested and they're going to end up in jail. That's the only way this is going to end. 
Right. Wow. Well, I posted something on Twitter and I thought this was really indicative of sort of the way things sit. Shanice Brown, her name is posted this on Twitter. And I thought this is really coterminous to what a lot of people are thinking that are Democrats right now looking at all this in the wake of what's happened in the last 24 hours. I was a Democrat six hours ago. Speaker Pelosi, not Donald Trump, changed my mind tonight. Hashtag State of the Union. I think the reaction of a lot of Democrats are looking around thinking something stinks in Denmark here. Yeah, well, that's a reaction a lot of people are having. Uh, I posted a link to a, uh, a video last night that was from C- uh, C-SPAN, and they had people that were calling in and, get, and you know, just giving their opinions on the State of the Union. And this one woman called in, she's from California, and she said she's a Democrat and all of her family are Democrats, and she voted for Hillary in the last election. And she said she was so outraged at the way that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats refused to to acknowledge the accomplishments of our country. It's not just Trump, it's our country. Yes. Uh, people in Congress are working to make the country, some people are in Congress, are working to make the country better. Good jobs, you know, honoring these people, military people, the young lady who, who Trump awarded a scholarship to. This woman was so incensed, and so was her family. She said, none of us are ever going to vote Democrat again. We are done with the Democrat Party. We're going to vote for Trump. This was absolutely unacceptable behavior. And I think when people who listen to the mainstream media, whether it's MSNBC or CNN, they always get a filtered view of Trump. They get a 15-second soundbite of something Trump said, and then 15 minutes of commentary from Trump haters uh, who are filtering the message. But anyone who tuned in and listened to the entire message last night without any commentary got something that they don't normally get on CNN or MSNBC. They got to see the real Trump and the real accomplishments. And I think it was a big red pill for a lot of people. (laughs) Red pill, indeed. Okay, so I want you to get into your latest videos on Q, really break some of this stuff down for us, decode some of these Q drops, give us your take on it, and sort of tie this all together for the folks. (laughs) Well, uh, it's been uh, kind of an interesting run for me because I've been working on these books on it's a we're working on a series of books on Q and I have four volumes that I have in, in draft right now I have been working to get volume one finished edited get the artwork done Denise and I've been working on it pretty hard and Q mercifully gave us the first two weeks of January off so there weren't any any posts from Jan- I think December 29th up to like January 14th. We got a, a break. So I just put the wood to the fire and started working on that first Q book. A lot of editing, a lot of rewriting. I thought I had the draft manuscript pretty well done. And then I read through it and I realized, man, this I, I need to do a lot more research on a lot of this stuff. So I ended up doing a lot more research, a lot of rewriting the chapters. And then Q started dropping January 14th or January 15th. So... Q only dropped a couple of posts on January 19th and then one post on January 20th and one, you know, on January 21st, the next one. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do an entire video on one post. So I'm just going to, I built I built this thread on Twitter and I would put out the, the daily Q post and then the next day I put out the next Q post. And I think after about a week, 23rd, there was a few more drops in 22nd and then about the, the 23rd was quite busy. There was a lot of posts. So on the 28th, Q posted a few more. And I took all the posts from like the last 10 days, put them into one video. People were losing their minds on YouTube and, <laughs> and people who follow my website and on Facebook, they're like, but Q's posting and you're not doing any videos and we don't know what's going on. And where, where are you? And I'm like, I'm working on a book. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> so people kind of got used to me always being there to do a Twitter thread and a video every, you know, two or three days. And it had been 10 days, Q had been posting and I wasn't doing a video. And people like, are you doing Q posts? Have you given up? Have you quit? I'm like, chill, relax. I got stuff going on. Got to get this dang book done. So I did a video, I think on the 29th, another one on the 30th and another one on the 31st because Q was really busy then. And Q has been um, doing some interesting stuff. One of the subjects that came up recently is for those, for people who don't, who haven't been following Q from the beginning, this will give you a little bit of history. Q started posting on October 28th, 2017. So a little over two years ago. So early on in Q's messages, there was a 
thread the queue started on 4chan. And when you start a new thread, you're supposed to start it with an image. And people respond to your post, and that starts a new thread. So Q posted an image of Washington Cross in the Delaware. And it's it's a key post from Q. And it was, I think it was the first post by Q that had an image on it. So it's Washington Cross in the Delaware. And what Q started talking about is the kind of boat that Washington was in. This is something that one of the Anons had been digging on back about a month ago. He found out that the boat that Washington is in is called a Durham boat, all right? So the boat that Washington crossed the Delaware in to go into Trenton, New Jersey, is called a Durham boat. And interestingly enough, U.S. Attorney John Durham was appointed by Jeff Sessions on October 28th, the first day that Q started posting. So Q starts taking people back to the beginning of his operation going, okay, when did Q first post? October 28th. When was Durham appointed? October 28th. Uh, what kind of boat was Washington in? He was in a Durham boat. Now in, in this post where there is this uh, Washington crossing the Delaware, there's a letter missing in one of the, one of the phrases. So Q asks a question, was the election supposed to be rigged? Was Hillary next in line? And in the question, was the election supposed to be rigged? The word supposed is missing the letter D, all right? So we have this post. It has a picture of Washington crossing the Delaware and a Durham boat. We have a phrase and a word that is, a letter is missing from a word. It's a D and it's the first letter of U.S. Attorney Durham who was appointed on the first day that Q starts dropping. So Q is dropping all these little clues, putting this together going, hey, look, every misspelling, every misletter, there's a meaning to it. You have to go through and look through the posts, find missing letters, find misspelled words, and put things together and figure this out because Q has been dropping these little uh, hints the whole time. So that's one of the um, subjects that Q has been talking about in the last few weeks, uh, just giving us some some drops going going back. He's been talking a lot about voter issues, things in California. Of course, the Democrats and their push for open borders and why do they want open borders? And, well, funny how a lot of the immigrants who come into the country end up voting Democrat. Trump was really hammering that in the State of the Union message last night. He was talking about California and the sanctuary laws. He didn't come out and say that he didn't talk about election rigging. But he was definitely getting at the point that there's a reason why California has sanctuary laws. They want to encourage illegal immigration because it gives them con- it, it helps them maintain control of, of the uh, of the votes in the election. Rudy Giuliani is doing a, a new podcast series where he's exposing the corruption related to Ukraine, and a lot of it has to do with the Bidens. But there's other people involved. John Kerry's family is involved, his son-in-law. And so Giuliani's been doing this podcast about every two or three days. And Q said it's worth following. It's a precursor to things that are coming. So it's interesting. I had a dream, gosh, probably two months ago. And in the dream, Rudy Giuliani had become the new WikiLeaks. He had, in this dream, I saw he had all this information, secret information uh, on criminal activity. And he was going to start dropping it. And it was going to make the public aware of the kind of corruption that's been going on behind the scenes. A lot of people don't understand what Rudy Giuliani's role is. And Rudy Giuliani and Q have a similar role. Lindsey Graham has a similar role. Right now, we are in the public education phase of the Great Awakening. People who follow Q, we talk about the Great Awakening and the storm. Uh, The calm before the storm, the Great Awakening and the storm. So the storm is the coming prosecution of corrupt people. That's the storm. Right now, we're in the calm before the storm. That the storm, the prosecution is some point in the future. We don't know when that's going to be. Right now, we are in a period that we refer to as the calm before the storm. The Great Awakening is a metaphor that describes a mass public awakening to the reality of corruption in Hollywood, academia, politics, corporate world, the church, you name it. It's all going to be exposed, and the public has to be made aware of it. Here's the issue. Before the U.S. Marshals and the Secret Service and the FBI can frog march all these corrupt people off of Washington, uh, Capitol Hill, the public has to be made aware of their corruption. So 
what we're in right now is we're in a public awakening, public awareness, public education phase. Rudy Giuliani has information about corruption. He has got a new podcast, and he is going to be putting the information out and making the public aware of what's going on. Rudy can do it. He's not a government employee, so he's not doing this as part of a, he's not a U.S. attorney. He's not part of the Trump administration. He's a private citizen showing people the information he has about corruption. Lindsey Graham serves a similar purpose. People have been really frustrated with Lindsey Graham saying he hasn't done anything since he's been, you know, in the Senate for the last three years to help Trump. Well, there wasn't really anything for Lindsey Graham to do. Lindsey is in charge of, he's the chair of the Senate Judiciary. What Lindsey Graham is going to do is, after this impeachment hoax is done tomorrow, Lindsey is going to start subpoenaing people like James Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Sally Yates, Andrew McCabe, possibly Strzok and Page, uh, Rod Rosenstein. He's going to bring them into his committee and find out how this FISA abuse happened. All right, now, the thing about Lindsey Graham is he doesn't have the ability to prosecute. He's not uh, a law enforcement. Congressional hearings, though, are televised. So Lindsey's hearings are going to be televised, and the public can listen to senators questioning Comey, and Sally Yates and Rosenstein as they have to answer how this whole FISA thing, this abuse of the intelligence community, happened to Trump. So Lindsey Graham's committee is going to help the public see for themselves how this corruption took hold in Washington, D.C., how it was weaponized against Trump. And there are, and Q is, is similar to that, is a parallel operation. Q is putting out information freely available to the public, giving people information about corruption, pointing people in where to go. So Q tells us, hey, follow Rudy Giuliani's podcast, follow Lindsey Graham's Senate committee hearings. This is all going to be information you're going to need to wake up your friends and family to the truth of what's happening. So right now we're in this public education phase of the operation. The arrests are coming. Now, in this interview that Bill Barr had about a month ago, he was asked about Durham's investigation and when we might see any kind of action on that. And he said that knowing what he knows about Durham and his investigation he said if he, he believes Durham is going, his investigation will be reaching a high water mark in the late spring or early summer of 2020. So I suspect that in the next six months or so, we might see indictments. One of the things that Q has been talking about is that um, suggesting that the people who spied on General Flynn may be the first people indicted. If I'm reading the, the post correctly from Q, it looks like there's nine sealed indictments against, probably, it looks like Joe Pienka, one of the FBI agents who interviewed Flynn, and that they are looking at illegally changing his FISA, uh, or sorry, his uh, FBI 302, that's like one count. Then there's illegally listening in on his phone call to Ambassador Kislyak. And then there are six other counts that are not yet, have not yet been named, but that's what Q has been hinting at. He said the first indictment unsealed will trigger mass population awakening. A first arrest will verify action and confirm future direction. Uh, they will fight, but you are ready. Marker 9 is in brackets. And that marker 9, I think, refers to a, a previous post from a few days earlier where Q kind of laid out the nine charges in the indictment that there was going to be one for cha illegally changing the 302, two for illegally listening to Flynn's phone call, and it was also illegally leaked, and then other ones. So I don't know when that indictment is going to be unsealed. I have no idea. But I we're getting closer to the arrest phase. But the unfortunate thing for people who just want to see arrests is uh, you can't arrest these people and avoid civil war if you don't make the public aware first of what's happening. Right. People have to be made aware of the corruption, and then they'll support the arrests, and then they'll they'll demand changes to the system. And that's that's what Q has been telling us about: is look, we need to make changes to the system, but the people have to be made aware of the corruption, and the people have to demand of judges and the people in Congress that they have to make the necessary changes so this doesn't happen again. Um, this is this whole thing is rolling along. Pretty much like I've been anticipating for the last, I don't know, six months or so. Q kind of laid out a timeline of what's going to happen for us. That the Mueller investigation would end. It would end with a big thud. Q predicted that Adam Schiff would pull another stunt. And he would try to get Trump impeached after the Mueller investigation happened, right? Q was talking about that a year ago. 
And then, of course, uh, when, the day after Mueller testified before Congress, right? So he, he finishes his investigation, he writes his report, and then he gets called to testify. So he goes in and he, and he testifies. And the day after, well, it wasn't his testimony. It was the press conference. There was the press conference that he gave, and then he was called to testify. So the day after he made his, this public hearing, the very next day, Trump calls Ukrainian President Zelensky. And that was the incident that they used to start the impeachment hoax. So it was the day after Mueller made his public comments that Schiff said, oh, we have our opportunity. Trump's going to call Zelensky. He's, you know, president of Ukraine. We are all, and here's the thing, right? Schiff, Pelosi, Mitt Romney, John Kerry, they all have ties to Ukraine and corruption. And they know that that is about to blow. So they develop a scheme that they're going to tag Trump with corruption related to Ukraine because they have, they're involved in corruption related to Ukraine. So they're going to accuse Trump of what they're doing. So Trump calls U Ukraine, talks to the president, has a good call, and then boom, the whistleblower writes a whistleblower complaint and Adam Schiff uses it to start the impeachment hoax. So Q has kind of been telling us that this whole thing has been, it's, it's all been planned. It's all, you know, we know what's coming. We anticipated it all. Q has also suggested that there is, <laughs> that there's like a four-step plan and there was no step five. And impeachment was step four. So while I'm expecting that Adam Schiff is going to try to continue doing whatever he can frantically to try to get rid of Trump, Q has kind of suggested that there isn't going to be a step five. This is the last, this is their last chance. It's over. So it'll be interesting to watch and see if any of these people get arrested anytime soon or if they bring up more charges for impeachment or some other hoax. Um, I have no doubt if they're not arrested, there will be another hoax that Trump will have to deal with. But, you know, the people are getting sick and tired of it. Like during the impeachment trial, Trump's favorability kept rising higher and higher and higher because people were able to see this is a complete witch hunt. And let's talk about this other disgrace to the U.S. Senate. I call him Benedict Romney. What a turncoat he is. Romney has always been a globalist shill. Like, I, I don't see why anyone would be surprised about his vote today that he says he's going to vote to indict, uh, convict Trump. Romney's a puppet. He, he is heavily connected to George Soros. He does whatever George Soros tells him to do. And I wouldn't surprise it by that at all. Um, he's, you know... He's a rhino, and he will end up getting uh, either convicted in this whole Ukrainian crap, or he'll be, get tossed out of office, or both. Yeah, agree. Well, Dave, I want you to talk a little bit about, I thought this was just a fantastic article American Thinker did called An Introduction to Q. Of course, I also loved the hard hat where President Trump signed. You could see the Q was visible. I, I thought that was great. But give us your take on this. Ama I thought it was an amazing article by American Thinker. Yeah, um, I thought it was an excellent article. Really gave a good, comprehensive view of Q's operation. Uh, Well-written. I, I thought it covered a lot of subjects very well. Uh, one of the only <laughs> one of the only articles written on Q in the last six months that had anything positive to say, anything true to say. Uh, I have a bunch of friends who are Q followers and they write about Q periodically. None of them have written anything recently. So the Zero Hedge, Zero Hedge picked it up and put it out there and uh, got a lot of traction. I think they got 100,000 views in a couple of days. Um, it was it was a really good piece. I liked it. You know, it's it's one of the few articles out there in the public domain that someone could read and and go, oh, so this is what Q is actually about, rather than all the nonsense that the mainstream media writes about. A very cryptic tweet today by Q. Just the word revival. Weigh in on that. I know. What does that mean? That was a, that's the last post. It came out uh, with, I think, about an hour, less than an hour ago. I just put it up on Twitter. Yeah, Revival. And there's some uh, uh, some music. There's a YouTube link to a nice kind of orchestral piece. I, I suspect that Q is alluding to a, a truth revival, right, in the aftermath of the State of the Union message, right? So you got everything. I always try to look at Q's posts in the context of what did Q post or what major events happened in the previous 24 to 48 hours. And all of Q's posts this morning are in the context of the State of the Union message. So I, I think this revival is in this context of the State of the Union message. And I think that Trump's people 
are planning on a truth revival, and I think it's going to come in the wake of the State of the Union message. I think that that message getting through to a lot of independents and Democrats who have probably been fed a lot of bad information about Trump finally got to see an unfiltered, uncensored message from Trump about his accomplishments and what he's doing and how good the country, how good shape the country is in. And I think that is, that message is going to spread. People are going to start questioning the mainstream media narrative uh, and pushing back on it and looking at the State of the Union thing going, you know, the economy actually is really good. And what's wrong with African-American unemployment being at a record low? What's wrong with, you know, Hispanic unemployment being at a record low? And what's wrong with developing cures for cancer and HIV and, and giving inner city minorities a, a chance to get a good education? What's wrong with this? Why, why are people resisting this, right? The whole resist mentality, I think, is going to come into question. At some point, people have to have to ask themselves, what are we resisting anyway? <laughs> like, <laughs> things are really good. Why are we resisting things that are good? So I, I suspect that the revival drop is just kind of speaking to a renewal, a revival, an awakening where people are going to challenge the narrative. Right. Wow. Well, a lot of things are going to be brewing on the horizon. You know, I think actually people, though, in general, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people saying, listen, I'm just tired of waiting for indictments. Nothing's ever going to happen. I don't care anymore about what's supposedly coming. They never get any justice. This is kind of really interesting how this kind of ties into panic in DC. Now, Q, this is kind of interesting what Q says here. People actually believe those responsible for the attempted coup of a duly elected sitting U.S. president will go unpunished? End to our constitutional republic? No equal justice under the law? No accountability? Escape unscathed? Buckle up. So Q is kind of addressing almost these naysayers. Well, and most of us have been programmed throughout our entire life to believe that powerful, wealthy, corrupt people are never going to be held accountable. They'll always get away. They're always going to skate. Uh, somehow they always manage to avoid prosecution. And that's just the way it's going to be. That's the way it's always been. And it's not going to be any different this time. And, and I know a lot of people, I see people commenting on my threads all the time. I'll believe it when I see it. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. No one's going to get arrested. There aren't any indictments. I mean, you can go on the pacer.gov website yourself and, and create an account and look at all the sealed cases yeah. on, the PACER, on the PACER website. You can verify the fact that there are 140,000 sealed cases right now on the PACER website. And typically, in an average year, there's about 1,000. And there are 140,000 sealed cases on the PACER website right now. I mean, that's that's like an, ob an objectively verifiable fact. You can just go and check it out. Now, what it means, that's up to the individual. But I can't blame people for being skeptical because we've all been programmed, mentally programmed, to think nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing's going to change. No one's going to be held accountable. So so I get it. But Q has been just trying to encourage people to say, look, do you actually think that no one is going to be held accountable for an attempted overthrow of a duly elected president? It would end our constitutional republic. Equal justice under the law has to be restored or it's the end of our republic. And if Q is correct and the military is backing Trump, there is going to be accountability. These people are going to be arrested. And they are going to face justice. So uh, buckle up. Well, I really truly believe that we're going to see some mass arrests in the very near future. I am very much hopeful of that. I, I think it's coming. And here's a really interesting thing we just found out about the Iowa caucus. Who's the biggest donor to Shadow Inc.? Hmm. Of course, George Soros is behind all of this. If it has to do with Democrats and election and voting and and any it's it all ties back to George Soros. He's the one who funds all of that. Whether it's Share Blue, Media Matters, whatever, yeah. it, it, they're all supported by George Soros. And uh, they're actually the the really criminal thing about that is George Soros is supported by taxpayers. Has been for a long time. The corrupt politicians in Washington have very sneakily hidden into the system slush funds that take taxpayer money and funnel them back into uh, George Soros' pocket. So George Soros' wealth has never decreased. He can spend all the money he wants on uh, on election issues. 
and the taxpayers are actually funding it. Now, I, I, Jeff Sessions took care of um, this one fund call. It was called the uh, Settlements Fund. It was actually the money that was used to pay uh, Iran for the Iran deal. Right. The $1.7 billion. And that came out of the Justice Department Settlements Fund. Sessions actually put an end to that and has also uh, done a lot of other things to close up the loopholes that politicians have used to funnel taxpayer money into the pockets of the globalist uh, puppet masters. But it takes time. So. Well, guess what? Q has a really special place picked out for GS. <laughs> Very special place. A really special place. <laughs> it was December 2017. He, this is a Q post. We have a special place picked out for GS. Really special. Yeah, I don't even want to imagine what kind of place they have picked out for Soros. <laughs> and he goes down. What I've been seeing with, as I've been paying attention to all this, it's a bottom to top operation lower levels first, and they're working their way up to the top. So look in the inside the FBI, for example. First thing they do is they start uh, with this FISA investigation. They go after Lisa Page, Peter Strzok. They bring them into the investigation. They find out that Bruce Orr was working with Christopher Steele. He was funneling information uh, to the DOJ. After Christopher Steele was fired by the FBI as a source, Bruce Orr then gets involved as an, as an intermediary. They bring Bruce Orr into the investigation. He ends up getting demoted, and a lot of, all these people stay employed at the FBI. A lot of people don't understand this. You know, They're screaming and hollering because no one's been fired from the FBI. Well, that's not true. But even the people who have been fired, when you work for an agency like the FBI or Department of Justice and you are accused of wrongdoing, they don't fire you. They keep you as an employee, they chain you to a desk and they say, here's the deal. You're going to sign this admission of guilt. You're going to cooperate with the investigation. If at any point you decide you're not going to cooperate with the investigation, we're going to, we're going to fire you and then we're going to charge you with the full extent of the law, whatever we can charge you with. The other option is you sign the agreement and then you cooperate with the investigation. So all these people got brought into the investigation. Uh, former chief counsel James Baker was flipped. Bill Priestap flipped. He was the head of counterintelligence. They all had to cooperate with the investigation. All of them were able to keep their jobs while they were being investigated. And as soon as they were done cooperating with the investigation, then they were fired or they were allowed to retire in, in Bill Priestap's case. I've said for a long time that if I was Bill Priestap and I knew what I knew, I was the head of counterintelligence of the FBI, and I knew that the good guys, that Trump and his people had all the information. I, if I was pre-step, I would go to Jeff Sessions immediately and say, look, I can tell you everything you want to know, but here's my terms. I get to stay in the, in the FBI till I get my 20 years and I get to retire. And you don't say anything publicly about me. <laughs> so, and it looks like that's the deal that pre-step got. He was the only one allowed to retire. And he was definitely a cooperating uh, witness. But... The thing is, you start at the bottom, you get people to give testimony about people higher up the chain. And a lot of these people have already ratted out Comey and Brennan and Clapper. Um, we know that Durham is investigating people like Brennan, Clapper, probably Obama, uh, Susan Rice and all those people. And they're rolling this investigation from the lower level to the top level. And they'll keep going until they get all the way to the top, save the best for last. So at some point when Durham... See, Durham is working on, on the, the FISA end of the uh, corruption, and Huber is working on the Clinton Foundation, Uranium One, uh, and anything related to Hillary Clinton is pretty much in Huber's purview. And of course, nothing has leaked from Huber's investigation, which has a lot of people freaking out because they're convinced that Huber is doing nothing. But of course, Barr told us what Huber had been doing back in May of last year. He did an interview with, I think, I don't remember if it was NBC or CBS, but he did an interview May 30th of last year. And in that interview, he was asked what Huber is doing. And he said Huber was originally tasked to work on FISA corruption. Then he stood back and Durham took over. Huber then took over matters related to Hillary Clinton. So Uranium One, Clinton Foundation corruption, all that. And Barr said his investigation is winding down and we anticipate bringing those to fruition uh, at some point. So all the people who have been hearing all this you know, chatter about Huber's doing nothing, Huber never spoke to whistleblowers, Huber didn't interview witnesses, none of those people know anything about Huber's investigation because nothing has leaked from Huber's investigation. And I suspect, if I understand the way Q has laid this out, 
the first thing that has to happen is the public has to be made aware of corruption, right? There's a lot of normies out there, our friends and relatives and neighbors who don't know anything about this. They've just been listening and watching CNN and MSNBC for the last 10 <laughs> years, and they're completely in the dark. Those people have to get woke up. And the FISA is the way in which Trump's people are going to introduce public corruption into the public consciousness. So then after FISA has broken, after some arrests have been made and some indictments have been unsealed, uh, at that point, I think the Department of Justice will then start making people aware of corruption with the Clinton Foundation, the Uranium One issues, uh, the Iran deal, all the other, Haiti and the human trafficking. That's all going to come later down the road after the public has been made aware of corruption in general. So being that Trump has been acquitted on all charges in the Senate, what is your post-impeachment thoughts going forward? What do you think is on the horizon? Post-impeachment. We are in the first week of February. I'm going to be paying most of my attention to Lindsey Graham's and Rudy Giuliani's messages. Lindsey is going to start doing uh, Senate Judiciary hearings. He's going, to, he's going to subpoena people involved in FISA uh, abuse. And I think that Trump and his surrogates are going to focus in on, we're going to go circle back around to FISA abuse, and we're going to find out why did Comey and McCabe and Sally Yates and Rosenstein authorize these FISA warrants when the DOJ just two weeks ago said that they, they admitted that at least two of these Carter Page FISA applications were improperly authorized. So that's going to become the focus. I think Trump and his surrogates are going to focus on go back to FISA abuse. We're going to start getting people into Lindsey Graham's committee and have the public hearings. And I think that's where a lot of the focus is going to be. Uh, that will then lead to Durham being able to unseal some indictments on people, right? So Lindsey Graham's hearings will probably go over the next uh, month or so. And that, as he brings people in, and he gets more testimony, he'll start calling more witnesses. I think it's going to be just unfolding and unwrapping all of this corruption in publicly televised hearings. And then he'll just keep on subpoenaing more people. He's also going to be investigating corruption related to Ukraine. So Lindsey Graham is going to subpoena Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, probably Devin Archer, all those people that are involved in corruption related to Ukraine. Those people are going to have to testify in Senate Judiciary. And there's also... There's also a number of other committees that are going are interested in this. So uh, Ron Johnson, who is Senate uh, chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, he will be doing hearings as well. So will Chuck Grassley in Senate Finance. There's going to be dueling committee meetings going at this FISA thing from different angles. If it has to do with money laundering, public funding, uh, like aid to Ukraine, that's going to fall under... Um, Chuck Grassley's Senate Finance Committee, so he'll be doing investigations. Uh, if it has to do with elections or national security, that'll be under Homeland Security. That'll be Ron Johnson. He'll be doing hearings for that. I think those are the things that I'm going to be looking at over the next month or two. I think they're going to start uh, investigating all this corruption, making it publicly, exposing it to the public. And then at some point, I think Barr and Durham will start indicting people. We, I don't know. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is facing treason charges. Yeah. She tried to overthrow a duly elected president. And uh, it's not going to go well for her. A lot of these people are going to be facing very serious charges. Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Obama, Susan Rice, Sally Yates. Eric uh, Holder. Holder. They're, they're all in deep trouble. Robert Mueller is in deep trouble, too. Mueller was head of the FBI while the uh, Uranium One deal was going down. And Holder was uh, attorney general. Mueller was FBI, and they signed off on the Uranium One deal, which uh, was corrupt as hell and allowed Iran to get uranium, which they then funneled over to Syria to their secret nuclear weapons facility. All of that's going to come out, and those people are all going to end up in Gitmo, in my opinion. Well, speaking of Gitmo, I hope John Brennan goes. I mean, think of the former CIA director and all his antics. Listen to this Twitter. Rand Paul is beneath contempt. He typifies the worst of Donald Trump's craven enablers. Any senator accusing this dangerous behavior makes a mockery of public service. History will revile all of you. I mean, frankly, it's pretty disturbing to see a former CIA director so out of control. 
He knows Durham has an indictment with his name on it. Because last time I checked, faithful service doesn't include illegally spying on political rivals, U.S. citizens and members of the Senate. And oh, yeah, conducting extrajudicial killings of U.S. citizens. I mean, last time I checked anyway. Brennan is neck deep in this. He's got no (laughs) chance. Why do you think he's lashing on at Trump on Twitter every day? Because he knows he's going down. That's what his tweet was about. Rand Paul's beneath contempt for reading the whistleblower question. He is up in arms about that. Yes. Oh, our sacred whistleblower. Um, The whistleblower thing was an op. It was a CIA op from the beginning. Brennan, being the former CIA chief, working with uh, Adam Schiff, they found a couple of people who were sympathetic to their cause, their friends in the deep state, in the National Security Council. And they said, look, we are going to take down Trump, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to accuse him of uh, quid pro quo, of, of bribery or extortion on a phone call, on a private phone call that is not going to be made public, right? So Schiff, this is just my suspicion, my hunch, that Schiff got together with this whistleblower, Eric Carmella, and probably uh, Vindman, and they coordinated that Vindman would leak the information of the call to Carmella. Carmella would file a whistleblower complaint with the ICIG. The ICIG was in on it. He accepted a secondhand whistleblower complaint, which is actually against the rules. But it looks like ICIG Atkinson was in on this whole thing. They coordinated it. They had all their people uh, working together on it. And it was an it was just an op. And it went sour because they did not expect that Trump was going to ever release the transcript of the phone call. <laughs> That's why Trump has been tweeting out like three or four times a week, read the transcript. All you have to do is read the transcript. It doesn't matter what the whistleblower said. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Read the transcript. They didn't expect that he was going to release the transcript. That kind of blew up in their face. However, that's why the whistleblowers went away because Adam Schiff realized, okay, the whistleblowers are not going to help us any longer because, because Trump released the transcript. So now we just have to go in and we have to convict him of uh, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. And he came out a number of times and said, any attempt to resist our congressional subpoena will be taken as an a, as a obstruction of Congress, right? So Trump can't even take a subpoena to court and have a judge look at it. If he takes it to court, it's automatically deemed to be con- obstruction of Congress. So it, it was it was a uh, it was an op, and Adam Schiff knew exactly what he was going to do. Adam Schiff is another puppet, uh, just doing what he's told to do. Schiff has a lot; he's, he has everything to lose in this. Schiff is guilty of so much corruption and so much crime. He's, he's the one driving this because he's got the most to lose. And, and being chair of the Intel Committee and being an attorney, a uh, former prosecutor, he has the lingo and the know-how and the, and the deviousness to make this thing fly. So when this is done, we'll never hear from the whistleblower again unless they end up getting arrested. And I would imagine they're already planning another little operation that, because they're not going to stop until they're arrested. I wonder how old quid pro Joe Biden's doing today. <laughs> oh my gosh, quid pro Joe Biden. This, you know, the Democrat Party is is in shambles. Joe Biden's popularity is going down because everyone can tell he's half senile. Uh, he doesn't have the time know what state he's in. He's got like no energy. He's not creating any confidence or enthusiasm in the Democrat base. Elizabeth Warren isn't a whole lot better. She's not senile, but she's not very likable. And she's incredibly dishonest. And people are coming to figure that out. It's really interesting. I think that the Dems are going to have a hard time putting anybody up who can run against Trump. I still am of the opinion that I wouldn't be surprised if Michelle Obama ends up getting in the race. Not because she wants to, but because all these Democrats, they're puppets, and they do what they're told. And half of them are in the race because they don't want to be indicted. And when the indictments fall, they can say, oh, you're harassing a political opponent. But I know, gosh, it's probably six or seven people have sent me dreams that they've had where they saw Michelle Obama getting the nomination for the Democrat Party. I haven't had one of those dreams myself, but a lot of people are. So I would not be surprised if Michelle ends up getting the nomination. I would not be surprised if Hillary tries to get into this race in some way, shape or form. Um, It would be funny as heck if she throws her hat in the ring and then gets indicted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as far as Michelle Obama goes, my comment is hashtag Big Mike. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. But switching gears, I want you to talk about this very exciting book that just came out. So yeah, talk about your books and what's in the works. Well, I wrote my first novel 
uh, and published that in July last year, uh, The Gates of Shiloh. And if you're interested in learning how people can be healed of emotional trauma and you want to read a good story, read that book, The Gates of Shiloh. It's a friendship story about two women, uh, one of whom has multiple personalities and she has been sexually abused and pretty traumatized. Um, she develops a friendship with uh, this woman who happens to be pretty gifted in emotional healing. And through their friendship, through a series of very interesting events, this one friend helps the other one go through the process of being emotionally healed. It draws from a lot of different genres. So that's one book called The Gates of Shiloh. And that was the first book I published in, gosh, since Q started posting. I've been working on that book for six years. Um, I'm also going to be start working at some point on a science fiction trilogy. I had a series of dreams about a month ago that really inspired me to work on this science fiction book, at least one book, possibly a, a series. And I finally got my first Q book published. It's called Calm Before the Storm. And I decided to publish it under my name, uh, Dave Hayes, Not Praying Medic. That is now available. Calm Before the Storm covers subjects, uh, the main subjects mentioned by Q in the first two months of his operation. I kind of do a, at the start, this is what Q was doing. This is where he was posting. Uh, a little history of 4chan and 8chan. Uh, why does Q post on 4chan and 8chan? A little bit of the lingo of the chans, uh, the culture of, of, of the chans, and why Q's operation was, became that way. A lot of people ask, like, why doesn't Q, why don't we know who Q is? Why does Q have to be anonymous? Why this, why that? So I answer a lot of the why questions in the first part of the book. Um, I, I jump into a discussion of Saudi Arabia, which was the main subject of discussion in the first two weeks of Q's operation, and some of the proofs that came out of the Saudi Arabia drops, and also why Q predicted the arrest of Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and Huma Abedin, and they weren't arrested. E essentially, that was disinformation. Uh, what Q was doing at that point was they had put in place a plan to arrest political figures in Saudi Arabia, members of the royal family, and a lot of corrupt businessmen. And they were going to do it the first week of November. Now, Hugh tells us that a lot of U.S. politicians were under the control of the Saudi royal family. So Hugh started putting a laser pointer on U.S. politicians, Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and Huma Abedin, telling everybody they're going to be arrested, hoping that the Saudis, who are their minders, would try to make plans to secure the safety of Hillary and Podesta and Huma in the first week of November. And then, lo and behold, on November 4th, it wasn't Huma and Podesta and Hillary arrested. It was the Saudi uh, princes who were arrested. So it's a disinformation campaign. They were planning the whole time to arrest political figures in Saudi Arabia, but they wanted to distract the attention away from that area, and they wanted to put the attention in the U.S. when the arrests were going to actually happen in Saudi Arabia. You know, military deception and disinformation was a reason for that. I cover all that in, in the first chapter. And then I go into other subjects, um, deep dive on Huma Abedin, the Harvard University uh, Muslim alumni, Barack Obama. I decode a series of stringers that Q posted in November that have to do with uh, a stringer, ap Bunker Apple Yellow Sky, which most people have like no idea what, what these stringers are about, but it actually was a prediction of some events that happened to the Rothschild family. So I, I, I wrote a chapter on game theory. I Once I studied game theory, I knew nothing about it. I did some deep dive into game theory and started studying it, and it fascinates me. So I wrote an entire chapter on game theory and why it's important. It, it, you will not understand a lot of Q's posts if you don't understand game theory and what game theory is about and, and how strategies are keys when you're working against an opponent who is trying to figure out you know, what you're doing and you're trying to figure out what they're doing and you're trying to figure out the best outcome for you. Game theory is a very important subject, so there's a chapter on that. The book has a 60-page glossary at the end of abbreviations, acronyms, names of agencies, names of people, symbols, all kinds of terms that are used by Q that are not common knowledge. So anybody who doesn't understand much of Q's operation, that glossary is uh, there to help people understand all these strange terms that they maybe either never heard of or people they don't know. So that's kind of a description of the first book, Calm Before the Storm. And I'm working on volume two right now. I'm actually working on volumes two, three, and four. I've got the outlines 
Volume two is on the burner right now, and I hope to have that out in a couple of months. So that series is called Q Chronicles, right? Q Chronicles, yeah, it's a series. Again, the book title is Calm Before the Storm. I've got mine on order, and we can expect some other great parts of this series. Now, very quickly, how can people follow you on social media? Give out your information. A lot of people like following my my QD codes uh, on YouTube. Uh, that's just a praying medic on YouTube. I also do Supernatural Saturdays. I, I do have a nonprofit ministry, and uh, we do live stream broadcasts the second Saturday of every month at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Right now, I'm going through one of my books, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple, and every second Saturday of the month, I do another chapter. Just go through a chapter. We talk about things. I answer questions on the live stream. That's on Facebook and on Periscope. Praying Medic on Facebook, Praying Medic on Periscope, Praying Medic on Twitter and YouTube. And that's kind of the story. Uh, Sometimes I'm on social media quite uh, voraciously. And when it's time to write, uh, I crawl into my cave and I get my cave time and it's all quiet. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, one of the things that's really important for people that are listening, I mean, there's a lot of Christians that are listening. I think it's very important that we need to be repenting for the sins of the nation. This is Second Chronicles 7.14 in accordance with that. And I think we need to be doing some major spiritual warfare. I've written a fantastic, very powerful spiritual prayer. We do it all the time. Sundays, my SWAT prayer leadership group, we pray for Trump weekly. And I think this is very important. Christians need to start doing warfare. And we can believe in salvation, healing, and deliverance. And let's be praying that Rush Limbaugh would get supernatural divine healing. For those of you that don't know, he got diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer. I'm putting a call out there for all Christians to be really praying for Rush Limbaugh, especially for God's supernatural healing, and start cursing that cancer at the root. We want to go after those infirmities. And that's what I really appreciate you, Dave. Everything is really central on the Word of God, and I think that's really important. Yep. This is a spiritual revival that's coming. It is going to challenge what every single one of us believes to be true. It's going to challenge our belief systems to the core. We're all going to walk away from this different people. And I think God is going to do a, an incredibly powerful work in the entire earth through this uh, removal of corruption. I think we're going to see a massive spiritual revival on the backside of this. Revival indeed, as was posted today. Very fitting, very timely. Dave, it's always such a pleasure for you to come on the program and weigh in. We really thank you for your time today, sir. Thanks, Sheila. I always appreciate your time and being on your show. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Dave. Folks, that was Dave Hayes. You know him as Praying Medic. All his information is linked in the description below, including the first in the Q series. That's the Q Chronicles, book one, Calm Before the Storm. That is linked also in the description below. Jump on over there to SheilaZelinsky.com. And if you want copies of the prayer that I did for Donald J. Trump, send me a message and I will send that to you as soon as possible. And I've also got a a prayer for Rush Limbaugh. I really hope people are praying for Rush. It's a powerful healing prayer. I really believe that God can move through our diligent prayers, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Thank you folks for tuning into the program today. God bless you.